The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kira McCarthy. Before we kick things off, just a quick reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. It's a soccer special on this week's show, and first we'll be joined by one of the many West Cork League graduates making their name in the League of Ireland at the minute. Denzel Fernandez has already made quite a name for himself on the Irish domestic scene and played a role in the recent resurgence of Shelburne. This season though, the Drimmer League man has signed with ambitious Limerick side Treaty United and we'll chat to Denzel about his hopes for the season ahead. Later on the show, we'll be joined by Skibbereen's Stephen McCarthy. Stephen is a senior business development executive at Newcastle United Football Club and we'll ask him how he ended up in that role and how the club has changed in the short time since they were taken over by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. Stephen himself was a successful footballer who became a professional at Sunderland before an early retirement. So we'll also ask Stephen about that. But Kieran, I see you're back at Southern Star HQ down in Skibbereen. You're all dressed up, you've got a jumper on, you've got a shirt on. There's no unicorns keeping you company. So it's nice to be back out in the world, I'm assuming. Nice to be back in base camp again. You can't see I have a pair of shorts on, but that's the only difference. I have the, I have the short to jumper and a pair of shorts. But no, it's good to good to be back in, in base camp again. It's um even though the unicorns have kept me company for Jesus, nearly two years now, I'd say at, at this stage, and they're uh, almost an ever-present on, on the podcast. It's um it's good to get a break and good to get back in the office again. So all good here. Lovely stuff, so Kieran. Okay, but before we focus on the soccer and chat to Denzel Fernandez this week, we have to touch on the fact that Keith Ricken is taking his Cork senior footballers into their first final this weekend. They're taking on Kerry in the McGrath Cup final in Killarney. You're going to be there, Kieran, and I know it's a preseason tournament. We don't want to place too much pressure on the Cork side and put too much emphasis on a game this early in the season but this probably will be the first chance that we'll get to see this new Cork team under the new management team in a not a proper contest because let's be honest it's a pre-season tournament but in some form of a contest because when it's Cork and Kerry both teams want to win exactly and the tickets for this one on sale on on Wednesday morning and there's a 5,000 capacity for Fitzgerald Stadium with all the, all the COVID guidelines and they're expecting that to sell out so even though it is a pre-season tournament you will have a, a full house as is possible there on, on Saturday so like you said it's um, Keith Rickens first final in charge albeit a pre-season competition and Cork have a couple of nice wins under their belt so far one away to Clare one at home to, to Waterford a much changed Cork team to be, to be quite honest dude You'd wonder how many of the fellas that are involved now will play in the championship come the summer. Kind of, there's probably six or seven lads who started a Munster final against Kerry last year who have featured in the McGrath Cup so far. And this was Brian Hurley's been the eye-catching performer so far. He's got one six in both his games and he started the season on fire. And if you think back to Cork's last trip to Clarny was their Munster final on July 25th last year. And Brian started that game on fire too. But in that game didn't end up. That was a, a day to forget for Cork. It sounded a death nail for Ronan McCarthy's reign. I think it was 22 points in the end, 422 to 1-9 or something like that. And it was an embarrassing, terrible day for, for Cork football. But the mood music has changed. Keith Ricken has come in. He's the man playing the tunes right now, Jack. He's the, he's the man that Cork fans will hope will lead this county to, to better days. 
and there's an optimism that he will. But we spoke to him in the start a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned the words, the words time and patience. And I think that's so pertinent to what Keith Rickon is trying to do because he's trying to overhaul this Cork football, kind of put in structures in place that he thinks will take Cork to a better place. He's bringing in a lot of new young faces uh, featured in the McGrath Cup so far. As far as I know, some of the more experienced players, they might not be back this year. Um, so there is a kind of a changing of the guard, and that's that's going to take time. And it's worth pointing out, too, that Cork will be without their St. Finbar's contingent as well for the McGrath Cup final. While on the other hand, down in Kerry, Jack O'Connor is back in his third coming as Kerry manager. And there's pressure on him to deliver, given that he's taken over um, as, 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 the Cork, as, as the Cork boss again from took over from Peter Keane. I wouldn't say it's split Kerry, but there was um, some people were glad to see Jack back. Others would have liked to have seen a different management team come in place. So there is a pressure on Jack O'Connor to deliver success for Kerry. And you can almost see that in the in the teams he's put out in the two McGrath Cup wins so far against Tip and Limerick and they've hammered both of them. Jesus, like it's 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 generally, but you've Paddy Clifford, Johnny Shea, Stephen O'Brien, um, uh, David Clifford. Jeez, I think eleven or twelve of that Munster final uh, starting team have played in the McGrath Cup so far, including six of the back seven. So uh, Kerry are taking it seriously because the the National League is thrown in the weekend after this, and Cork are away to Roscommon. That's a far more important game than this game in, in, in Killarney on Saturday. But it's just a chance for Keith Rickon to run the rule over over some of the the. the the new faces on, on the squad um, a defeat wouldn't be the worst thing in the world at all Jesus um, but even for how Keith Rickon operates it's how the Cork players if they do lose how they'll respond to it and if they do win they'll go into the the, the, the National League on a high but it's it's worth giving a mention here too to Clannacilty midfielder Joe Grimes who was a Listole man originally he's played with Clannacilty the last couple of years uh, Joe has played for Cork in their first two McGrath Cup games so he could be coming up against his native county in the McGrath Cup uh, final on Saturday. So it'll be a special moment for, 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 for Joe Grimes. I think the hope is that there's a good performance from the Cork footballers and it'll set them up for the, for the league the week after. Just one final question on this thing, Kieran, before we wrap up. You obviously mentioned that the eye-catching performer from Cork so far at this stage of the season has been Castle Havens. Brian Hurley, he's obviously one of the more seasoned campaigners, a stalwart for Cork in recent years. But has there been any new additions to the panel that have caught the eye at this stage or is it too early to 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 get the impression that some of the players that have Keith Rickon has brought on board have already bedded in or has there anyone you've heard is there whispers that some of the new panel members could make an impact in the season ahead he sent it out Keith Rickon he sent it out a lot of debuts in, in the first two games from a West Cork point of view Donnie's Fionn Hurley has played um, from Castle Avenue Rory McGuire and Jack Cahillan Fintan Finner from Castletown Bears when there. We mentioned Joe Grimes from kind of Kilty, and that's just five. And um, five fellas have come to my head straight away from a from a local West Cork point of view. And there's been more from, from around the county. So he really is just giving a lot of leads to, just their chance to see what they can do. And I think it's probably turned out the right time now to see if a fella will will make it or not. I think the league will be so important. Um, we'll probably give these fellas a chance in the league and we'll have a better idea of of how this Cork team will look come to the, the, the last couple of rounds of the league and head into the championship. But it's worth pointing out too that Cork have a pretty tough Division 2 National League campaign. Uh, you're looking at starting off away to Roscommon. There's an away trip to Derry. There's um, a home game against Clare and Cork have had a tough against Clare in recent years. And there's a few more hard games in, in there as, as well. So it's going to be a, a pretty demanding, pretty tough uh, league campaign. So it's just going to be interesting how the Keith Rickon project develops over the next couple of months. Like I said at the start, there is optimism. Um, he makes all the right noises. He's a, he's a great man to talk to. And he talks about the men rather than the footballer and what they can bring to the setup. So I'm, I'm, looking exci- I'm quite, quite excited about how this Cork team will develop this year. But like Keith Rickon said in the start uh, two weeks ago, patience, patience and time. Yeah, great stuff. And we'll obviously be covering Cork's league campaign in depth in the Southern Star and on the Star Sport podcast in the coming weeks and months and we'll have coverage obviously from their clash with Kerry in Killarney on next week's podcast and in next week's Southern Star but we're going to switch our attentions to soccer now as we mentioned at the top of the show and our first interviewee is Dreamer League's Denzel Fernandez a 23 year old who has been making quite a name for himself in the league in recent years he was obviously a part of the Shelburne squad 
that secured promotion last season. He obviously had his appearances limited slightly under head coach Ian Morris and he's now moved to Treaty United, a Limerick side who managed to make the playoffs in last year's first division. So a side with ambitions of making it to the Premier League and they'll obviously hope that Denzel can be a big factor in that promotion push, Kieran. But you've obviously spoken to Denzel about his move to Treaty United. He's obviously pleased with it, I guess, and uh, he'll be hoping to kick on because it's an important time in his career now. He's 23. Uh, you said there, Jack, that Treaty United are a club with ambition, and so is Denzel right now. He's a player with an ambition. I think he wants to show people what he can do. We'll hear from him quite soon now in our chat. And he thinks he played 19 or 20 times for Shells over two and a half seasons. He was plagued by injuries last year. He had a, he had a severe concussion at the start of the season that knocked him back. They need a shoulder injury. Then I think he had an ankle injury. So he really didn't feature. And it's it's frustrating for a footballer who wants to play and they can't play. And then Shells had such a great season. They were um, they won the first division title and they won promotion. But he had no role to play in that as such. So um, his contract came to an end last November. So Damien Duff went in as Shell's manager and it became quite apparent to Denzel quite soon that he wasn't going to figure in, in Damien Duff's plans for, for the 2022 campaign. But Denzel has, has a very kind of strong CV behind him because um, he was with Cork City underage teams and then he impressed with Cove Ramblers as well in the first division a couple of years back. So there were a couple of clubs interested in him, Cork, including both Cork City and Cove. But it's Treaty United who gave him, presented the best deal, the, the best package for him where he is right now because he's also studying uh, kind of healthcare outside of football, which is quite a clever move, um, I think, because you need a fallback plan because it's all well and good to chase this professional football dream but as we know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like, and to have that fallback plan by Denzel is, is quite a good move. But right now, he's keen to show Treaty United fans why their manager, Tommy Barrett, was so keen to bring him to the club. He's had a bit of a setback already. He's, he's a knee injury that's going to keep him out for the, for, for the first couple of weeks. But once he gets back on the pitch, the hope is he'll get games. And the more games he gets, his belief and confidence, and he'll get that match fitness and match momentum. And... Hopefully we'll see the best of Denzel Fernandez this season. And as you'll hear from him now, he's looking forward to getting started with Treaty United. We're joined now on the podcast by Denzel Fernandez to talk about his, his switch and his move to Treaty United. But before we talk about your, your transfer and your hopes for the season ahead, I think it's important that we look back on your time with Shelburne, Denzel, because you were there a couple of seasons. I think it was 2019, that summer you signed for them. You won a couple of first division titles there. Uh, so looking back now, how would you sum up your time at Shells? I would say it was, it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs because I've been plagued by injuries and obviously played for a top class club. The fans have been unbelievable, like but um I've seen tweets about the fans tweeting about me, like saying that haven't seen enough of me. I think I've only played like probably 19 or 20 times there mm-hmm. in about two and a half seasons, like but it has been a roller coaster of a journey, like definitely. Obviously, winning those two titles was a great feeling. Like, but I would have liked to play more. But that's how football goes. Sometimes, you know, just have to move on. When you're looking back on, on last season, especially, and I know Shells won promotion in the first division title. Again, you were blighted by injuries. Like, how frustrating was that yeah. for you? Kind of looking on, saying, "Jesus, I just want to get out there and help the lads," but you just weren't able to. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I started the season off with a really, really bad concussion. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was in hospital for like I'd say a full day, like, and. I just couldn't recover from it probably two, three months on. When I came back to training, like um, I was doing really well. The manager was fully on sure that he was going to play me and everything. And then I got another injury then, a shoulder injury that put me out for another two, three months again. And I got a knee injury then again. Like, so it just didn't really work out for me at all, like off the pitch and on the pitch. Like, so it was hard mentally and physically for sure. Was last season so one of the toughest seasons that you put down? Oh, yeah, 100% Karen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just hard to recover for, from it physically and also mentally, 100%. So, so then we were um, coming towards the end of last season and you knew your contract with Shells was up, um, I think it was last November. Yeah. So had, had, yeah. you the, had you the feeling in your head, OK, that's it, I'll probably have to move on now? Or, or was there any talk yeah. of a new contract up there? Yeah, so when Ian Morris was obviously still at the club, he was still keen on taking me for next year, but... You see, things changed last season. 
when he got the boot like so when Damon Duff came in I don't think I justified myself enough to get another contract for next year which is this year like so I kind of said in my head look I didn't really do myself justice like with injuries and all that is out of my control like so I just took it on board like and I knew other clubs were interested in me at the time like so yeah I was happy enough to like leave the club with two league titles and all that. And then, as as one door closes, uh, another door opens. So then it was the yeah, the yeah. move to Treat United. So how did that all come about? That came about when I think when my teammate Jack Brady, he played up in Shells with me. We we were actually teammates at the time, and he uh, told me about uh, Tommy Barrett. That he was interested in me. So like Jack gave him my number, and Tommy rang me straight away, stating his interest and all that. And he reassured me about the club and everything that I get game time that the fans would love me and all this, like, so, like, I was very keen on joining them, even though I had offers from Cork City and Cove, but they were very slow in processing that, mm-hmm. but Treaty were very quickly, and they acted upon it very quickly as well. When you're coming off the back of a season, like you said you had in, in 2021, it was disappointing because you didn't get the chance to go to go on the pitch, and then that, it, that, that you felt that your time there was coming to an end, to get that call from that, from Tommy Barrett, and oh, Jesus, this is a manager who wants me, and he was saying all the right things, like to kind of, to feel wanted. Was that part of the move too, one of the reasons that, that you decided to move there? Oh yeah, definitely. The fact that he's a social worker as well, he just knows how to talk to people as well, mm-hmm. and that definitely gave me confidence that, oh, I think I'll actually do well for this manager, because I've heard a lot of great things about him, and I know that when I, do well in training and do well in matches that he'll just raise my confidence up that much further and definitely help me progress on as a player for sure Before we talk more about Tommy Barrett and Treaty just back to Damien Duff and Shells for a second I had you conversations yeah. with Damien at the end of last season just to see like yeah. you, when you were wondering oh, will you keep me on or not like, and what was Damien saying to you then? Yeah so I got we we were all waiting for a call from Damien obviously because the club didn't appoint anyone towards the end of the season and the sporting director Alan Caffrey said that we'd all get a call and it's about like the third week so I thought I'd actually get a contract you know if you get what I mean like because if you if you're kept on waiting you know you might get that glimmer of hope that you might get a contract ex- extension like but he was just like he just rang me after rock there one day and I was just like he's probably just saying this just to be nice like saying that oh you're just not good enough to play for the club or something like that I'm not too sure like but um, but that's how managers go about it sometimes some managers like but he's just saying that oh I've seen videos of you you look like a very good player and I'm pretty sure another club will come in for you but um, you're more than welcome to train with us in January like so I, I got the gist that oh he probably just doesn't want me there so mm-hmm. and that's okay like that's how sometimes it goes but I'd, I would have loved to play for him because he's a winger he was a winger and I'm a winger like so I would have taken a lot on board definitely for sure and that's almost a, the court nature of, of football and sport at that yeah. level um, yeah. what's it like as a footballer to hear okay my time at Chelsea is over and this is before Treat United got in, got in contact like there's that uncertainty of what's next like how, how do you cope and handle that Denzel? With the uncertainty of everything is it? Yeah. Yeah it's just about you know you kind of expect the unexpected sometimes like because with football like you just don't know what's going to happen your next step like so you, ha- you have to look at the bigger picture and you just keep on going. You just keep training away or whatever, like keep yourself fit and hopefully something comes along the next move. Like, but all I, all I can say is that I just expect the unexpected. Like you have to look at the bigger picture, as I just said, like, and and whatever happens, happens. Like you just have to take it on board. And like you were saying earlier, there was no shortage of offers. Obviously, Treat United for you for you are yeah. now in two of your former yeah. clubs in Cove Ramblers yeah. and Cork City. How close yeah. was anything to materializing there from Cove and Cork? Was it getting closer to something happening? Or yeah, yeah. So Cove were actually actually met with me twice. Their manager, Darren Murphy. I think it was twice, yeah, something like that. I'm not too sure if I wanted to join Cove because I felt like Treaty had a better team and all that. And they were probably much better in pushing for promotion for sure. And with Cork. They were keeping me in the dark. So I was like, look, Treaty is probably the be- better option for me at this stage because I'm I'm just not a type of person who waits around and do- doesn't go to a club where he's not wanted, like, you know, so it's all right. And Treaty United are a club that's going places. Look back at last year's first division. They've, they finished yeah. fourth. Uh, like you said, Tommy Baird in charge. They're an exciting squad. So what's your, yeah. what's your hopes and targets for this season ahead? This season is definitely, obviously, going to be a fresh start. So I'm looking to... Um, definitely improve as a player 
as always, like, and get my name out there again, because I, I feel like I can do that again, just like I did with Cove, as clubs have been interested in me before. Like, so it's just a new, fresh start again. Hopefully gain promotion. That's the top target this season and help the team improve. That's all I can say anyway. Considering the, the injuries applied to your season last year, how is the body feeling now ahead of the, the new season? Yeah, it's it's feeling okay. So, like, last week there, I just found out that I've torn ligaments in my ACL. So I, I think I'll have to go for surgery there soon enough, which I didn't want to hear at all. Like, But the good news is that it's only in partial tear. So I'll probably be only out for a month or two, but I don't think I'll be the same as I was before. Like, so I'm trying to keep fit. Definitely the top, uh, the upper body for sure. Like, do you feel heading into this campaign and when you do get in the pitch that you almost ha- have a point to prove? Like you mentioned there, that the Shells fans at the top yeah. were tweeting, or like we didn't get to see too much of you, like in what you said, mm. you did 20 odd appearances with Shells over over the two and a half seasons. So, yeah. do you feel like yeah. you want to show everyone this is what Denzel Fernandez can do? Yeah, 100%. I feel like I, I do have the potential to like be at the top, like you know, so hopefully this season definitely justifies that. Hopefully I can get back on the pitch bigger, better and stronger for sure. Because I don't think the past two and a half seasons uh, shown what I could do for sure. Because when I was a Cove, I felt like I was only going to get better and better because I kept playing matches every week and everything. Like, And when I went to Shells, I was kind of like in and out on the bench, kept playing and all that was coming off and all that. So I feel like this season definitely will show that I have the potential to keep getting better and better. Because as, as, a, as a footballer, like you just want to play games and to get that consistent run of games, build the confidence, yeah. get the self-belief going and just see where it takes you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like in, in the game, like you see how players are just confident in their own ability and they just go out on the pitch and they don't think what they're going to do. Like they just, they're just so confident that they'll be able to get the job done and, and just get the win for the team like and get the three points. I mean, look at the first division two for the for, for the season ahead. It's going to be fierce competitive again. Like we said, three United finished fourth last year, but you'll be up yeah. against some of your former clubs again, and obviously in, yeah. in Cove and Cork City, and and then you've John yeah. Caulfield in charge of Galway. So nearly every second yeah. game you're coming up some some person with that you've had links with before. Yeah. So when yeah. you do get back yeah. in the pitch, how much are you looking forward to that? Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Like obviously, I have a big, big, big point to prove now. So I'll I'll be playing against my own man, old manager as well, Ian Morris. Because he he's the new manager of Waterford now, like so, he'll be playing against a few familiar faces for sure. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to it definitely. And then off the pitch, and this is quite important too. You're you're coming to the end of your your kind of your healthcare studies course, and you I think you've uh, yeah. you you yeah. you've nursing exams or an assessment in April. How important for you, Denzel? Is it to almost suppose for want of a better yeah. better word, have that backup plan to have that have that qualification behind you? Oh yeah, that's definitely really important for me because you know. As you know, like football is a short career, like you just never know what's going to happen. And it's, let's say in my example that I got injuries, been blighted by injuries and, and like it's hard to focus only on football when you're, when you're injured. Like, so you have to have something else to, for that, for that backup plan, especially in the years to come. So yeah, I'm looking forward to nursing sessions anyway. Hopefully they go well and hopefully get an offer in September for sure. It all depends on the CEO offers like... <laughs> And how have you found those last couple of years juggling your studies and football and getting the balance right between the two? Oh, it's been tough for sure. All I can, all I did was like at the start of every week, like Sunday night for sure. Uh, for example, like I just write down each day and like saying what I'm going to do, what training times I have and all that and what time I'm going to be studying and all that. So that really did help because if I didn't do that, then I just wouldn't be able to cope with all different aspects of life, like basically. So like if you're training, I've, I'll have i train that day and then after training, I can do a bit of study and then get up the next morning, then study again and then train in the evening. Like So it's all about balance, basically, mm-hmm. and being organised. And you mentioned there, obviously, Shells, Shells is a Dublin club and UCD are Dublin, but uh, yeah. Treat United are, are, are based in Limerick and it's a lot closer to home. Being, yeah. being closer to home, being closer to the Dreamer League, had that any kind of, had that any influence in your decision? Yeah, I think I think that was definitely a big influence because I think I wanted to be closer to home for sure. And like living away from home made me miss home itself. Like because West Cork, I really do love the place. Like and like signing for Treaty, it's it's not that far of a drive anyway. Like so, um, yeah, it was definitely a big big decision that influenced it. Like so, yeah, 
definitely for sure. And Treat United will, will be delighted because you're going to open up Treat United to the whole West Cork fan base because uh, obviously you came up yeah. through the, the West Cork School Boys yeah. and School Girls yeah. League here and you're, you're, you're yeah. so well known locally. So the hope is that yeah. West Cork will latch on to Treat United and, and cheer you on this season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, since it's not Cork, like they might uh, ask to go, up, to go up to Limerick and be their second fan base. So we'll see. <laughs> Oh no! Fantastic. So, um, yeah. timeline. So, on your on, on your your knee injury. So, when you when do you think you'll be, if you're going for surgery, and when when you'll be back training and hoping to play, Denzel? I think I'll be training like the first week the season starts. Mm-hmm. So it's not too bad. Like you know, I'll be doing my rehab like February and half of March. Like so, it won't be too bad. Like, oh, no wait, the season starts February. Actually, sorry, I was actually thinking about last year. So it'd be around the mid March when mm-hmm. we're playing Cork and Cork comes up to play in, in Limerick like so yeah we will see you know. hopefully we'll see you back on the pitch before too long and thanks so much for coming on the yeah. podcast and the best look for the season ahead Denzel yeah I appreciate it Karen. top man the Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union Access Credit Union funding dreams for over 50 years Newcastle United have been in the news of late as they've recently been taken over by the Saudi Public Investment Fund and they're throwing money at players. They've spent £25 million on Chris Wood. Kieran Trippier has been signed from Atletico Madrid. And one man who's in the middle of all of this, or maybe not in exactly in the middle of all of that business, but who is working for Newcastle United is Skipperine man Stephen McCarthy, who's employed there as a senior business development executive he's a former youth professional footballer who played his trade with Sunderland for a number of years and Kieran you had a chance to speak to Stephen and his story is quite interesting he'll also be very familiar to lots of people in Skibbereen because of who his family are yeah it's, uh, the the sporting genes are are quite strong in Stephen McCarthy's family his father was none other than the legendary late small Mick and O'Donovan Rossa and Cork football great you could call him so um, it's probably no surprise that that those sporting genes passed on to Stephen and it, it, it was it was soccer it was football it was the road that he pursued and people around Skibbereen and West Cork even beyond we know all about him as, as a young promising soccer star he went across to Sunderland back in 2012 2013 when he was 15 he was signed up by the Sunderland Academy and that's that's the dream for all of us, Jack. Like we've all dreamed it at some stage, you know, kicking the ball off the wall at home. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still dreaming of. I'm still dreaming of it. I gave up that dream long ago when I when I couldn't control the ball. But it's something that that, that we all dreamt of to, to go across to England and to chase that pro dream. And, and Stephen is one of the lucky ones, one of the talented ones who got that chance and he had a couple of years over at the Sunderland Academy. Um, we're going to go. It's it's quite a brilliant check coming up actually because Stephen opens up about his time in Sunderland and also how it didn't work out over and what it was like coming back to Ireland as, as a teenager, 17, 18, knowing that your your dream of being a professional footballer, that it, it isn't working out and almost dealing with people saying, oh, that's Stephen McCarthy over there, but it just didn't work out for him. And that was a lot to take in for someone of that age, but he feels that it's molded, in, molded him sorry, to become the man that he is now because... Like I mentioned with Denzel Fernandez earlier, and Denzel is, is quite right having his backup plan. Stephen is very passionate too about going to university and having a course and having that, that, that fallback plan or option B. And it's that option B that's now his full-time job. He went over to, to Northumbria University in Newcastle. Uh, he's, he's studied over there. And now a couple of years later, he's a, he's a good job at Newcastle United. So it's, um, it's, it's a really... We've always said in this podcast, Jack, that there's you can find a West Cork angle into almost every sports story in the world. Well, that's probably just taking it a bit too far, but Max Verstappen, we've our Innes Shannon engineer who, who was who was stuck in with him. Um, and now Newcastle United in, in the headlines after their takeover last year, um, stuck in a Premier League relegation battle now. And we have a Skibbereen man working over there who, who goes to St. James's Park, who's working for that club. So... Um, I think just sit back and enjoy this this chat with Stephen McCarthy. And we, I started off asking him about his Sunderland days and what it was like leaving Skibbereen as a 15-year-old and going over to England. 
on the Star Sport podcast, we've always said that there's a local West Cork link into some of the, the biggest sports stories in the world. And we've come across another one where Skipperine man Stephen McCarthy is now a senior business development executive at Newcastle United, that behemoth in, in, in English football. Um, welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Great to have you on. Thanks, Kieran. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, it's an incredible story how Skipperine men has ended up at Newcastle United. But before we talk about your current role, I just want to go right back to the start with, with you, Stephen. Like I said, you're, you're a Skipperine man. You grew up playing soccer in Skipperine. And when you were, I think, was it 15 back in 2012, uh, you got um, got a deal with the Sunderland, Sunderland Academy. So you left Skip behind you and you went to Sunderland. But how did that all come about in the first place? Um, yeah, I suppose it kind of started off um, around under 12. Um, I started scoring a few goals and um, I then got chosen to go to the Kennedy Cup, um, which was a fantastic opportunity. And uh, from there, there was interest from some English clubs. And uh, I think my performances, I, I did pretty well at the, at the tournament and after I remember um, it was our final game and myself and Conor Driscoll um, from Bunratty was playing with at the time, uh, we got called into the the room where the managers were staying and they sat us down and we both were told that they, there was English interest in us and uh, which was obviously as a 12 or 13 year old, unbelievable to hear that, you know. And um, from there on, I think I met with Terry Delaney, um, who was the kind of Cork scout um, uh, for Sunderland and he brought me over uh, for my first trial and uh, that's where kind of all began um, from there on um, it was trial after trial I, I think I couldn't tell you how many trials I went on before actually getting the contract but um, it started from about the age of 13 I think the first um, time I went over and the went uh, I went over up until I was obviously 15 and then signed around that. So um, I think, I, I, well, I think when I was 15, they kind of told me that, yeah, we're, we're going to keep you and uh, we're going to, you're going to be joining our under 18 team. Um, but 16 is when I actually uh, confirmed and signed the contract. That must be the stuff of dreams. When you're thinking back in that now, because when you're all that age, like we all dreamed of getting across to the Premier League, we're, we're watching it on TV, all, all supporting our, our different clubs. But you're one of the really lucky ones who got to live your dream. So what was that like when you when you got the nod and Sunderland said, Stephen, we want to bring you across to the academy for a couple of years? You must have been like, oh, Jesus, this is like, this is a, this is a dream come true. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. One of the best feelings in the world. Um it's like a dream come true because um, I, I worked very hard to, to get to that position. I was playing for Ireland um, underage um, and to even to get to Ireland and playing for Ireland at that time, the, the, you had to put in the hours outside of the training hours and I was doing that. So to get to that was the pinnacle um, and it was such an amazing achievement. I mean, my mother was probably devastated <laughs> because I was uh, out the door and at such a young age as well, it, it was tough, tough for them. But uh, for me, I, I was absolutely delighted, you know. Like it's the adventure of a lifetime. Like I said, it, it, it's it's every young boy's and young girl's dream to kind of just to to go and chase that that professional uh, football career. So let's talk about Sunderland. So you had a couple of years over there. Um, what was it like going over there? Like you said, you were fifteen at the time. You were leaving home behind you. You were going into a new country, a new club, people, new people. So what was that like? Was it daunting or was it exciting? It was a bit of both, really. I don't think I really understood the full magnitude of the whole thing when I first went over. I think, obviously, as excited, um, you're also battling with homesickness. Um, but also, you're there to prove yourself and to, to play football and get into like the, the starting team. And I, I um, enjoyed every minute of it. It was brilliant. It's a brilliant experience. Um, it's a roller coaster of a ride when you go over there because you're dealing with so much emotions. You are so young, and I think there's ups and downs. And especially when I was there, um, there was plenty of injuries as well that, that I picked up at times, um, which is hard because I think the the, mo the most difficult thing is not having your family support there. And um, you are coming from Ireland, where you're obviously considered one of the best because you're over in England but then you go over there and you're with the best in the northeast or some of the best players in England and 
it's a different ball game altogether. So it's um it it had its up and downs and but I think it definitely shaped me as a person. Um because you're at, you're such a you're it's such a competitive environment. You learn a lot of lessons at such a young age as well. Um so it was definitely a positive experience. I loved every minute of it and um you just got to when I reflect back on it now, you, you just think it 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 was definitely positive because of the ups and downs and the resilience you have to build to to play at that level. It it was all good. You mentioned injuries there, and I think it was injuries that caught you out in the end. But before we, we look at those, what are the standout moments for you, the highs, the positives, when you look back in your couple of years at Sunderland? Um, I think the highs... I think in my second year, um, I had a really... I broke my ankle in, in pre-season, and I think that was obviously such a negative impact, uh, mentally very difficult. But coming back from that and come back from that adversity to start in the, the back end of the season. I had a, a run-up of six or I think six games and um, I played really well, um, albeit I didn't get kept on after that season. Well, I did have a really good season, um, or back end of the season. But then I got chosen to play in the Irish uh, team under 19 European Championships. So I think that was the highlight, um, getting picked to, to play in that. And I think that those performances with Sunderland after coming back from that injury and getting to that European Championship um, competition was probably the, the highest um, achievement for me, really, in my career, I think. Do you think it was that ankle injury that scuppered you over? Like you said, you broke your ankle there and it just kept you out for so long. That, that you, you didn't get a chance to show Sunderland that this is what you were capable of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was difficult because it was between myself and another guy and we were both in the same similar position and he had a fantastic season um, and obviously breaking my ankle in the, the pre-season where that's uh, having a good pre-season is essential for your for the for the whole season going on and I missed out on that and then there was just a lot of complications with the ankle the ankle was I didn't get an operation originally I, I, I didn't get an operation till around Christmas time um, and I was in and out of playing and I was still complaining about the ankle and it, it was it was really hampering my progression and also because I was in and out of training it was just it wasn't feasible to get a good run of games or anything like that so I think it was a, a big factor in it um, but also reflecting back on it there was other sides of things that I look back at now um, in terms of my mental strength going over because you have to realize you're such a young young lad going over um and these the english lads they've been involved in the academy from such a young age and um, there's support there from them from the very beginning and there's um psychologists in the club already and these guys are well ahead of you both in um ability probably um and also mentally because um they've had the best of training the best facilities and they've also had all the the support that a Premier League club, which Sunderland was at the time, they've had all that all the way through. So you're catching up. The minute you get into that club, you're catching up. And it, it, it is difficult. And you only have, what, two two years to catch them. And uh, so, yeah, like thinking back on it now, that kind of stands out to me as well, you know. And you decided to come home. So you said you, you, you two seasons there and then, um, it was it was that like you said that, that injury hampered you. It, it it held you back. So decided to come home. Was was that hard at the time, um, having that dream of playing professional football over to decide to come home, or, or did you think it was the next natural step in your story? Come come back home, come back to skate, base yourself here, assess where you are, and build again. To be honest, it was actually a very difficult time. I, I think people underestimate how challenging that is. That rejection you get and. Um, you're, you are so young and I think this is, people forget that you are only an 18 year old lad and you're kind of going into manhood at that age and you're trying to figure yourself out. But the key thing was that football was my identity at mm -hmm. that time. I was a soccer player playing with Sunderland and that's all I had in my mind. And I know they drill into you at the academy. You have to think about plan B if you don't make it, but you're just a kid. You <laughs> the last thing you want to hear is that you're not making it and that it's only all you're thinking it's only 
only option is I'm going to be a professional footballer. So the hard part was the identity part, I think, losing that identity and trying to figure out what the hell do I do next? Albeit I was coming back to Ireland and playing, and um, I started training with Cork City and then went on to play with Cove Ramblers. I was still not right. My confidence was shot. And I think all that experience of that hardship of getting the rejection coming back and I don't know you, you do think about all oh, people be talking about you and all that kind of crack and stuff it is difficult for a young lad and uh, I think did that whole thing disrupt my passion for the game I would probably say it definitely did have an impact on on, on, on my passion for it yeah and how did you deal with that then so Stephen coming back to Ireland and like you said you, you, you wanted that dream over and it didn't work out and you were back here and you were thinking, what are people thinking about me? Um, what are people thinking about? I, I'm back here now based, based in Cork, playing with Ramblers, training with City. So how, how did you deal with that and how did you come out the other side of it a, a stronger person? I think I, I had great support with my family mm-hmm. and I put it down a lot of it to that. But although with such a negative experience, I look back now and think, of it as a positive experience because it made me such a strong, like a, a more stronger, um, more resilient, and uh, more driven and motivated in what I'm my prof- profession now is mm-hmm. because I think I matured very quickly in those moments um, where you're kind of battling with yourself almost to try and where do I go next? And once I found the root of what I my other passions were, um, that's where I came out the end of that negative spell. And now I look back and think of it as a positive because it is a very difficult time because you're questioning everything about yourself. And it's just about rebuilding yourself. And mm. luckily for me, it was only a year maybe of that, that kind of self-doubt um, and that figuring out process. It, it took about a year. But I know from speaking with other players that have been in my position, it's taken them a lot longer and it's had um, very, very difficult, well, they've gone through very difficult moments, you know. So um, I look back and think, thankfully, I was able to come out of it in a quick period of time and find my other passions. Because, like we said there, you, you trained with Cork City, didn't you? Signed up with Cove Ramblers. Um, talk us through your, your journey then from there to go back across to England again. Yeah, so I, I, I was playing with Cove Ramblers, but... I kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to get an education and um, that was my next step. That, and that's why I mean by finding my other passions and business was something I always enjoyed and liked. And um, when I, when I got approached or when I started doing my research about sports management courses, and that's the degree I did at Northumbria university, um, they got in contact when they seen I was interested in the course and said that they'd offer me a scholarship to come and play um, with their university team. And they also had a Northern League team, um, which is a Northeast Division, divisional team. Um, so when they got on the phone and they discussed their program and how they wanted to improve it and get to one of the top um, universities in the country, it was, a, it was a no-brainer for me, really, because I was already familiar with the Northeast. I did like it. Um, the university was amazing. And the facilities were great there as well. So once um, once they got in touch, I felt that was the right move for me. And I felt that the education side of things was the route I wanted to go down. So it, it, it strikes me as a very mature decision, Stephen, to make when you, when you were still that age. Because, and you mentioned earlier too, about that plan B, about having that backup plan. Was that something that was in the back of your mind saying, just in case my dream doesn't work out, I need to have this option to fall back on. Is that something that you were very, very passionate about? Yeah, definitely. I think, like like I said, that process, that year process that I went through, um, definitely I had to come up with some idea of what was next and the bigger picture here. Um, and like I said as well, the passion was, it was going. Um, and I could feel it. I wasn't enjoying the game as much. I don't know, was it a result of everything that had gone on previously? Um, but it just wasn't there as much. And when I was on my way to getting to Sunderland, that, that, that route to Sunderland, the passion was there and I was driven, I was motivated, I was doing everything I could to improve myself as a player. 
but I felt that when I came back to Ireland that that motivation and desire wasn't there and it, it, for me if that's not there for me then I, I, I just go nah, I need to think of other things because if I can't put everything into what I'm doing and I'm not passionate about it I'm not going to enjoy it and I'm not going to have fun and that, that was kind of stripped away from the, the soccer side of things yeah and when you decided to go to Northumbria University and, and study uh, sports, business and management, do you think that just gave you a, a different focus? Like you could you could pour yourself into this course now and it was something like you said there, you were very, very interested in and almost in a way you were setting yourself up to say goodbye to professional football because you had this, this, this new dream in place that, that you were ready and willing to chase. Yeah, definitely. The, I started actually enjoying my soccer more um, when I started doing my education at Northumbria, I felt the the whole um, environment um, and atmosphere it wasn't as rootless and doggy dog as the the, the um, professional side of the game. Um, and I was focusing on my education and I was playing soccer again. And so I actually started enjoying it a lot more again from obviously having that education side of it involved in, in the whole mix as well. So. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think the education was a big part of, um, well, getting me to where I am now anyway, of course, yeah. Was there any one moment or any one time when you realised that the pro dream just wasn't going to work out, that you that you were going to go down this route? And if you had that moment, was it hard for you to, to accept it, considering what you were saying earlier, that you were so passionate at the start, you put in so many countless hours, kind of starting with Skibbereen and working your way so hard to get to Sunderland, and then to come to that realisation that, okay, this is not going to be the career that I thought that I, 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 I would go down. Was it, what was that moment like, or that realisation? It was, it was difficult. I wouldn't say it was just one moment. I think it was over a period of time, I just came to the realisation. I think, the passion once that was gone and to the point where I wanted to get to that professional level, I, to be honest, going to university showed, showed me a different life altogether. I was in a bubble at Sunderland and it was football, football, football. And that was all that was around me. And then I went to, uh, with the university and obviously the student life, it was completely different and, it was just a bit more enjoyable playing. I was playing my soccer. I was I could go out for a drink. Um, I was uh, obviously doing my education, and I had great friends. I met some great people, and I think it just showed me a different life, um, and that it gave me different goals as well. Being at the university, um, and obviously going into sport in a different way, uh, the business way, um, was was just it just got me excited um, and got that I, I felt that passion for something else coming along and that's why I kind of stuck it into but yeah going back to the realization I mean yeah it was tough but I look back at it now and I go it was definitely the right decision for, for me anyway. Um, I, I think Newcastle is a different proposition to, to Skibbereen on a Saturday night and I, I've heard reports <laughs> and tales of, of people over Newcastle having the time of their lives so as, as, as a yeah. city what's it like over there? It's a fantastic city. It really is. Um, I've kind of fallen in love with the place, really. I, I haven't left, so that says something about the place. Um, the people are, are very nice people over here. Um, and I think it was a great city to go to for university side of things because it is it is quite small. It's it's not a big city. It's once one line of, um, well, it's a street with a line of bars. Um, everything's close together, not very far walking distance. So, yeah, it's a brilliant city. Um, and then you have the football, uh, the soccer side of things here as well with um, Newcastle. Um, and that's such a major part um, in the city. It plays a major role. Like the, it's, it's in the heart of the city. So um, they're fierce, passionate about it. So it, it is a great city to live in. That's something we always hear about, Stephen, about the, the passion that Geordies have for that club. And you can see it like over the years, even when the club wasn't going well, like St. James's Park, it was packed weekend after weekend when they, when they had home games. How important is football to the people in the city over there? It's absolutely massive. Um, words can't really describe how big it is. Like we were playing Cambridge there in the FA Cup third round, was it? few weeks ago and we the, the stadium was sold out so every seat was taken um 
that just shows it's like a religion to them. Every weekend, once it's a home game, they're all walking up up that um up the streets up to the stadium, um, and they're just really passionate people about their about their soccer. And I think now more than ever, the atmosphere is electric in the stadium and across the city. It's 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 amazing to be a part of it. So your journey so from 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 going to university there studying studying sports business and management. So how did you go from there to becoming a to just was to, to join in the club um late last year? Yeah, so I uh, did my three years at Northumbria uh, University, and then I went on to uh, Newcastle Racecourse. Mm-hmm. So funnily enough, when I was at the university, I did a part-time bar job at the Borderminster pub. It's called. It's just a pub on at the race course on site, and uh, I worked there for um, for the year. And I was doing my uh, waitering, and the executive director came in to the, the pub with his wife, and she they both sat down, and I was serving them for the for the day or for the for the night. Sorry, and uh, I, I was. It came to the end of the night and I went over to them and said, is everything all right with your food and drinks and everything? They were delighted with me. And his wife um, said to him, oh, what, what? you should ask him what he does. And I, she, he asked me anyway. And I said, oh, I'm doing sports management at the university. And she said, well, he's a lovely accent. You should take him on now. And uh, <laughs> once he's finished, get in touch with him and uh, bring him in and work, work for you. So basically from there, once I finished my degree, um, I just got in touch with David, the executive director, and he said, yeah, come in, we'll get you involved. So I started off there as commercial executive um, and then went on to being sponsorship manager there. That must have been a great experience over, because I was just reading bits and pieces online there, and um, you, you attracted thousands of students to the, to the race course, too, which must have gone down a, 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 a treat over. So that experience of working at Newcastle Race Course, how, how important was that in your development in the, in the professional side of it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was essential. It was um, getting that experience, getting my foot in the door in the sporting industry. Um, the experience was excellent. Uh, I mean, we did the student race night, so I, I kind of seen how successful they were in Ireland, um, especially in Cork and Limerick. Um, and I had all the lads, my pals, um, going to them and saying how brilliant they were. So I decided to bring a similar concept to the Newcastle race course because they hadn't had a student race night across the UK at all. So um, we did that and it was massively successful. We had 4,000 at the first one and we had about 3,000 at the second one. And I think the, re- like the, the fact that I made it, I think Newcastle race course, what it did for me was it built up my experience and it also expanded my network and grew my network in the city. So I, I came across loads of interesting and um, people that own businesses. And um, I think from there, I was kind of, because what I'd done at the race course, I was kind of known for what I was doing. Um, and I think obviously Newcastle United heard whispers about it. Uh, and it, it's incredible now that you're now a, a senior business development executive at Newcastle United. And obviously Newcastle were, were in the headlines late last year with a with a huge takeover. And these are exciting times for the club. So talk to me, Swabud, about your role at Newcastle. What does it entail? So essentially, it's um, my primary role is just to generate revenue through hospitality, um, sponsorship and partnerships. Um, so... And also, because there's a new takeover happening, and well, the takeover has happened, and there's new opportunities there, innovating new ideas to generate revenue through different streams. So, like what I did at the race course with the student night, thinking of new ideas like that as well. Like we said, it must be an incredibly exciting time. I know that on, on, on the field at the moment, Newcastle are involved in a, in a relegation scrap, and they looking to survive and stay in the Premier League for next year. But like you said, they're off the field. There must be a lot of opportunities too. When you think of Newcastle as that huge club in that football-mad city, in that football-mad region. So for you, is it almost a, a dream job in that sense that you're, 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 trying to, you're selling football to football-mad people? Yeah, it's excellent. Like, all they want to do is talk about soccer and the, the game that just had been. And obviously, from being in the game previously and knowing all about soccer and having those conversations then 
it's it's very very easy conversations for me to be having so they like that aspect and that aspect I can bring to the conversations with them um so yeah it is brilliant to be involved in your first time at St James's Park can you remember that and what the atmosphere was like yeah I can it was my first ever time actually we were playing the FA Youth Cup um so we were actually playing at the stadium against Newcastle United um which was a fantastic experience um but then with an actual big crowd it was against Liverpool I went for my birthday I think I was two years of living in Newcastle and it was just sensational the atmosphere was electric and it was at that point there was always in the back of my head God I'd love to work here someday and now you are you're living the dream in that sense now um just on football itself are, are you are you still playing in the background are you still playing kind of kind of let's say local league soccer over or, or what's what's your your latest when it comes to football I've been in and out um, with my role now. Um, I'm working a lot of weekends, so I can't really commit to anything currently. So at the moment, I'm not playing as much. Um, but before, I, I was playing pretty regularly, yeah. You think about the journey you've been on, Stephen. You left skateboarders years ago to, to join Sunderland. And now all these years later, you're with Sunderland's biggest rivals, Newcastle, helping grow them off the field. Like it's been a, an incredible journey since since you left Skib back in what, 2012, 2013? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a roller coaster, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. And it's, it's shaped me into the person I am today. And I feel very grateful for the opportunities, the good and bad, um, that have the outcomes um, that have come about. But I've been been really lucky. Newcastle is very much home for you now. Would you be in touch with a lot of, a lot of the lads and, and people from, from back home in Skib? I would, yeah. I'd be constantly in touch with them. Um, but uh, yeah, so I try and get them over as much as I can. But I'm home a lot anyway, obviously pre-COVID and things like that. Um, but uh, I try and get home as much as I can. I'm surprised they, tried, tried, they haven't tried to sign you up for Skib in, in the first division. They're, I was looking at the table earlier. They're fifth in the first division now and they're not... You could say they're in the title conversation. They're not too far away from Castellon at the start. So there's there, there's no moves in the background where Skibber trying to say, Stephen, come, come back here and help us. Yeah, <laughs> I've not heard anything anyway. <laughs> oh, no, great stuff. No, it's been great to catch up with you, Stephen. Like I said, it's a it's an incredible journey you've been on from that 15-year-old who left Skib West Cork Shores all those years ago to now your new role with, with, with Newcastle United and trying to help grow them off the field. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Kieran. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Okay, Kieran, we obviously spoke at the top of the show about Kerry and Cork in Killarney this weekend, so I assume that and much more will feature in this Thursday's Southern Star Sports section. Yeah, there's a lot going on in, in this week's Star Sports section. Like you said, the preview of Cork and Kerry in the Regard Cup final. We also have two-page spread on the Curly Ferry quarterfinals from last weekend. And congratulations to Skibbering Community School and Hamilton High School Bandit, who both qualified for the semifinals of that Munster College's Senior A football um, competition. And hard luck to kind of Kilty Community College, who came up short to three CBS. But like I said, we have a two-page spread on those Curly Ferry semifinals in Thursday Southern Star. So that's well worth checking out. And also the 2020 Carberry Under 21A Football Championship semi-finals were held last Sunday. And Castlehaven are going to take on Donnie's in, in the final. It's 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 quite unique in one way that the, we know that the 2021 champions were crowned last year. The Carberry board had gone back to 2020 to finish that competition that started before COVID came along. That's how how long this competition is, is going on. And we'll have the final of that this weekend. But we have reports from both semi-finals uh, this week. Um, there's there's rugby news in there. We've road bowling. We we've soccer. So there's a, a hell of a lot going on for um for for January Jack. So Thursday sudden start. Don't miss it. Yeah, and uh, obviously if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper, and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet, or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Kieran. Just want to add one more thing that I forgot to say in the round of, of the of the sports section. I also have um, a look at the senior A 
football management teams for the 2022 season from a West Cork point of view. And friend of the show, Dermot Duggan, has won a promotion. I'm going to say no more. I'm going to say no more. We'll have to get Dermot on for an exclusive in the next couple of weeks. But check out Thursday's Southern Star to see what Dermot Duggan's role with his beloved Island Rovers is. Oh, exciting times. I look forward to finding that out. Now, back to my corporate shilling and selling of the newspaper this Thursday. Just one more thing I wanted to mention in relation to the e-paper. If you subscribe between January 20th, that's Thursday, tomorrow, and January 27th to a six or 12 month subscription to the Southern Star, you'll receive 10 euro off the subscription price. You'll receive a Southern Star branded mug. These are things money can't buy. And a Southern Star branded pen. So it's a very special offer for January. We're giving away, as they would say, in the YouTube game, some Southern Star swag. Cup, pen, 10 euro off the subscription price price subscribe between jan 20th and jan 27th this is an offer not to be missed just imagine drinking your morning tea with a picture of kieran no it's not a picture of kieran it's the southern star logo on the mug and on the pen so uh yeah nice nice bit of nice bit of swag memorabilia whatever you want to call it so there'll be details about that on our social media channels across the week just want to say again thank you to our sponsors access credit union who are back on board Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Music, any podcast platform you have on your phone or in your life or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Slán Tamil.